Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who helped to put this service together. For Sharon Cook, who was our liturgist this morning, for our praise team and Wesley Choir, who are our song leaders, for Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together so wonderfully, thank you. And so we begin this new series about ordinary miracles, because I think often we think about uh, miracles as these huge events or incredible things that happen, which is true. And also there are so many ordinary things that are also miracles that I think maybe sometimes we've been so removed from them or maybe we've just forgotten how much life itself is a miracle, how trees grow, how how the sunflowers grow, how rain falls. Sometimes you can be lost in those things as kinds of ordinary miracles. God uses ordinary things for extraordinary purposes, like water, bread, and mud. And so today, um, we'll talk about water. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ordinary things. Okay, so here's where part of this started. Um, If you are on TikTok um, or you have kids or grandkids on TikTok, maybe you've heard the corn song or heard about the corn kid. Um, He just recently became the ambassador for corn at the Corn Palace in South Dakota this week. Um, it's this, this little kid, um, he's probably five, six, maybe seven years old. And in a random interview, he's asked about what one of his favorite things is. And he talks about corn. It's this young boy who just loves corn. And in the interview, he just, the way that he describes it is just magical. Um, I don't know, maybe you've never thought about corn this way, but he describes it as a big lump with knobs. It has the juice and the juice is the best part. Um, He said, um, when corn was real, I was amazed when I found out corn really existed. And then I tried it with butter and everything changed. Now, can you think about just describing things in that way? Something so ordinary and so miraculous and, and magical kinds of ways. When I tried it with butter, everything changed. What an ordinary miracle that is. Now, in the Gospel of John, which is where our passage comes from, John actually uses this, the term uh, signs when he's talking about these miracles. Um, but they're oftentimes called miracles. And for some people, the idea of miracles is abstract or maybe even not really believable. And for some, it just makes a really good story. And for others still, the Bible says it, I believe it. And so wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I think we can hear these stories as something about Jesus and what that means for us. Now, the Gospel of John uh, was written with a lot of symbols, and there's a lot of numbers involved in the Gospel of John. Uh, It was the last of the Gospels written around 90 AD-ish, long after Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. Um, We have the the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic Gospels, and then John, which is very different than all the others. 
Now, in this passage that we have for this morning, the story of the water into wine, um, I think that there's, you know, three images to think about. I'm sure that there's more than three, but we'll just talk about three today. Um, There's the image of wine, of the jars, and of course, of water. So the story goes about this wedding, and wedding feasts went on for days in that time. Um, they, uh, the longer it went on, the more uh, prestigious you were or the better you looked. Um, and so Jesus and his mom were at this wedding, and they'd run out of wine and quickly ran out of wine, which was like a huge faux pas. Um, you, if you run out of wine, that means that you didn't have enough money to celebrate or you didn't have uh, enough to keep the party going. And so this, this family runs out of wine. And so Mary says, don't worry, Jesus has got this. Um, and Jesus's response to Mary is, oh, mom, not yet. You know, can you just kind of see this angsty Jesus? Anyway, that's how I picture him. Um, and she ignores Jesus and she tells the staff, um, just do whatever he tells you to do. So he says, fill these jars up with water. And these jars, um, they're not just any jars. They're actually jars that are used for ritual cleaning, cleansing. So these are, these are church jars. Um, these jars would have been less porous to keep the water purer and cleaner. Um, so therefore, um, the cleaner the water, the better it is to be used for these ritual cleansings. And each jar um, held about 30 gallons of water. So um, fills up these jars, um, six of these, uh, almost 200 gallons of water. Um, So he asks for six of these to be filled to the brim. Um, So about 30, 30 gallons each, 200, lots of water, right? And I think that there's something that's being said about the type of jar that's being used. It's, um, it's one of the church jars. So I think Jesus is saying something about religious institutions. In some ways, in making this water become something else in wine, he's violating religious practices. This is no longer cleansing water. Um, in some ways, it would be like filling our baptismal font with wine. Um, and so there would have been people who would have not been happy about this. And of course, wine has a different uh, meaning today than it does in the first century. Um, When people think about wine, they may think about alcohol and addictions. Um, And there are some who believe that Christians shouldn't drink any kind of alcohol at all. In fact, the Methodist church uh, was tied with the temperance movement back in the day. Um, But today, we are not opposed to alcohol in our social principles. but wine was a beverage in the 21st or in the first century, um, as common as anything, and sometimes safer to drink than water. So, I think that in the story we can also talk about wine as a symbol. It symbolizes abundance and it symbolizes joy. Um, our former bishop Sally Dick said of this passage: "If you don't have wine, you don't have joy." And so, when Mary asked Jesus to take care of the problem, you know, he could have just taken maybe even just one jar um, or maybe even a pitcher and and made that into wine and people would have been amazed at that. But he doesn't. He makes six of these jars, 200 gallons of water into wine. And not just any wine, but it's said to be the best wine. Now, 
Every time I think about this passage, I think, how did Jesus do this? I mean, you know, obviously, he's the son of God, so he can do lots of things. Um, But I was like, what is this process? Like, can I turn water into wine? Um, And the truth is, I mean, kind of, just not as instantaneous as Jesus did. Um, So I I talked with someone who makes wine, and I asked them about the process of winemaking. And when they talked about it, it didn't sound overly complicated. You know, I was thinking, hey, I could do that. I probably can't. Um, They talked about mixing the ingredients um, and measuring yeast and sugar. And the biggest thing that they said it needs is time. So he explained that a good Merlot needs to age at least five to 10 years before it's considered good. And Rieslings need to age about two to four years before they're considered good. So time is the most important ingredient in all of this. And the wine that Jesus made is the best wine made in minutes. It didn't have to age. It didn't have to rest. It just was. And again, how did he do this? Well, and maybe the how isn't as important as the why. Jesus went out of his way to use these clay jars to make wine. He went out of his way to offend religious practices in order to bring joy. I think Jesus is saying something about joy in this. Now, water is an ordinary element. Our bodies are made up of about 60% water. 71% of the earth is made up in water. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? Water hydrates, water cleans, water calms. Do you listen to like rain or waterfalls as your background noise? Water baptizes, water brings joy. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? When my niece Emma was um, about two years old, uh, we were out on her back deck and um, she was just playing in the water and her giggles were everywhere. And I said, Emma, what makes you happy? And she said, water. Water brings joy. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? Now, each of the signs in John's gospel points to something and it points to Jesus' mission ultimately to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, the kingdom of heaven nearer to earth, to help us see that something new is being unveiled before our very eyes. And this story helps us to remind us of the joy of our faith. And I think it can be easy to forget about joy and not just an ordinary amount of joy, but abundance. This is a lot of joy that Jesus brings in the best of things, in ordinary places, wine, jars, water. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? Have you ever thought about joy when you've been in water? Have you ever thought about your baptism when you're taking a shower? Have you ever thought about Jesus washing the disciples' feet as you're washing the dishes or taking a bath? Have you ever thought about the Israelites crossing the sea as you're walking next to a river? 
Have you ever thought about water in ordinary ways and the extraordinary things that it has done? Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? Look for joy because it's all around and maybe not always in the big ways, maybe it's in the small ways. Not in the extraordinary, but in the ordinary ways. Enjoy life, no matter how ordinary it might seem. Maybe you can find joy in a water balloon or in a rain shower. Find joy in the ordinary. Because if you can't find joy in the ordinary, you'll never be satisfied with the extraordinary. God is present in all, in big and in small offering the good wine, abundant joy in ordinary ways. Can you imagine a more beautiful thing? Thanks be to God. Amen.